First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two, and I'm going to read verse nine. Verse nine and beginning of ten. Okay, I'm going to read verse 10. Um, I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. And it reads this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Amen. 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 The title for this message would be eyes have not seen. Eyes have not seen. Let us pray. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. Lord, do it again. Speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Eyes have not seen. Beginning our verse began by saying, uh, it is written. It is written. Uh, really, what the um, the writer is saying, the Apostle Paul is saying, he's quoting the foundation, or he's quoting the source. He's quoting from the Old Testament, and he's saying, "It is written." And don't you know he's, he can take it back to the source? And don't you know, concerning our Christianity, we do not have a faith that does not have a source. Our faith is not rooted in a fable. Now, a fable is a story that's been passed down by oral tradition, but being that it was passed down by oral tradition, we have forgotten the source. So therefore, it's a fable. We don't know the source. But don't you know we have a faith that have a source? We have the Old Testament scriptures, and that's the source. And scriptures, being that all, all scripture is inspired by God, not only is the Old Testament considered scripture, but the New Testament is considered scripture. You know? And so really, they go hand in hand because the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. Don't you know, personally, I believe that every New Testament principle has an Old Testament picture. So they go hand in hand. So the church, if our source and our foundation is what is, what is written. It's the Bible. It's what is written. I like um, a sermon that uh, Pastor Dr. Hamilton preached years back. Um, he preached about the book. And don't you know, church, we need to stick with the book, you know, because sometimes uh, the universal church nowadays, we're getting away from the book, you know, it, uh, we need, we're just getting away from what is written, you know, and as a preacher, my responsibility is not to preach that which is politically correct. Uh, my responsibility is not to preach that which is popular, and my responsibility is not to preach that which, which may not offend, but if it is written, that's what I'll preach, you know, and that's what we would teach. So it may not be popular, but we must say it because it is written. And, you know, it, it, it may not be politically correct, but we still must preach it because it is written. And it, it, it may offend, but I still got to say it because it is written. 
So I'm going to deal with three subject matters. I'm going to deal with the origin of our text. Secondly, I'm going to deal with the context of our text. Thirdly, I'm going to deal with the content of our text. And I guess fourthly, I'm going to deal with the application of our text. Now, concerning the origin of our text, uh, the Apostle Paul quotes, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But he said it is written. That means that what he is saying can be found in the Old Testament. And this same scripture is found within Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Now, Isaiah quotes it a little differently, but it's close enough where you can see that that's where he got it from. And so you can, you can know, we know where the text came from. And I just want to take that point at another angle. You know, church, let us not forget where we came. We should all remember where we came from. And, I, and, I, and I'm not just talking about New Mission. I'm talking about the universal church. Because New Mission, it's good to remember where we came from. It's good to remember George Q. Brown. It's, it's good to remember, remember Pastor Smith. We need to remember where we came. It's good to remember Dunbar. But most of all, as a Christian, and as Christianity, we need to remember where we came. You know, we need to remember that, you know, the church is built on Jesus Christ and we must not forget his uh, death, burial and resurrection. We must remember the, the, the origin of our faith. Not only that, sometimes we need to, um, old members to sometimes take, take us back take us back to the origin. Um, sometimes we need the old deacon to take us back to the origin of prayer meeting. You know, sometimes we need them to take us back. Sometimes we need to the, the, the old deacon is take us back to the moaning bench, you know. People just can't pray like that anymore, you know, just, just to take us back. When I was younger in ministry, um, I had a, a good friend. His name was, uh, was Deacon uh, Paul Hall. He was a member of New Jerusalem uh, Baptist Church. He had great ad admiration for his pastor, past Pastor Lynch, and because I loved him so much, and because he loved Pastor Lynch so much, now and I love Pastor Lynch. So, um, but yet, Deacon Hall would say, Rev, I, I don't even think he knew my name. He just called me Rev. He said, when you, Rev, when you pray, I want you to say our Father. Because he, he, he said, Rev, I want you to know how to pray. So, Rev, when you pray, I want you to say our Father. And I want you to say, who are in heaven? And I want you to say, hallowed be your, thy name. I want you to say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, when you pray, Rev, I want you to say the God of Meshach, Ashach, and Abednego. Rev, when you pray, I want you to say, Lord, we need you today. So Rev was teaching me how to pray. But not only that, being that uh, uh, the apostle, I mean, the apostle uh, Paul quoted the source, don't you know that he quoted the original version? Because he changed it up the wording a little bit. And so sometimes we can get so comfortable with the second version that we don't know nothing about the original version. Have you, have you ever heard a remix and you didn't know it was a remix? You thought it was the original version and somebody older had to come along and tell you, no, that's the, that's the remake. You know, yeah, because we all know Whitney Houston version of I Love the Lord, He Heard My Cry, but maybe some young people don't know that's a remake. Because I remember the old deacon used to get up. I remember Deacon Williams used to get up and say, I love the Lord, he heard my cry. And I, I haven't heard it sung that way since, but it, it, was, the, it was the original version. So, so, so sometimes we must not forget our origin. 
Now, let us deal with the context of the uh, text. Context is, we must keep things within context. And what that means is, I can say something, but you can misquote what I say, because what you, you can quote a part of what I say, but if you don't keep it in the overall picture, it may, it be, may be what I said, but not how I said it. And we can even use this with scripture. Some people say, well, you can make scripture out to mean anything. Yes, you can if you take things without, without, out of context. However, if you keep it within context, the message is very consistent. So um, one time I, I, I preached and somebody came to me like months later and said, Ray, did, did you say, because um, I guess they was taking care of a daughter, and did she say she can come home any time of the night? Because she came in just any time of the night, and she said, and she said you said <laughs> that it don't matter. As long as she come home, it's all right. And I said, yeah, I think I did say that. But that's not how I said it. <laughs> I was preaching a prodigal son. And I said, like, you know, God just wants us to come home. And sometimes it don't matter when, he just wants you to come home. But that's talking about coming back to God. That's not talking about missing your curfew, <laughs> you know? So we must keep things within the context. So if we was to deal with the context, uh, verse 1 would say that um, the apostle Paul would say, because he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he's saying that when I came to you, I came not with um, excellence of, of speech and wisdom. And I believe that what Paul is saying is that because Paul was very educated, he was a Pharisee. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. So Paul was very educated. He was very knowledgeable. And personally, I believe that he may have known rhetoric and been a skilled orator. So um, that's just my opinion. But I, so when he said, I came to you not with excellent speech or with wisdom, I believe what he is saying is that, you know, I lean not to my own understanding and wisdom. In other words, I trusted the power of God. You know, you know, you know the power of God must be our primary source within ministry. Now, we have resources. You know, I study, I read, I, I, I mean, you know, um, so God can have my best. But yet, these things are secondary. They're not primary. You know, if God don't help us, we in bad shape. You know what I mean? But yet, on the other hand, let me preach both sides. If he was talking about he wasn't excellent in speech or in wisdom, you know, it's still, the pattern still matched scripture because God is a pattern of God that uses our weaknesses. So his strength can be displayed as a pattern of God. Don't you know, many a times um, I struggle with things before, uh, before success comes. I struggle greatly. Even with our text today, when preparing, you know, it just don't all come together. I struggle, and I struggle so bad sometimes. I say, if the Lord don't help me, it won't be done. So when the Lord finally do bless, and I say, Lord, thank you for the great things that you have revealed, I say, it's nothing but the grace of God. So he uses our weaknesses. So many of times we struggle before he began to bless. You know? And you know, um, like even going to Ezekiel chapter uh, 37, I believe it was a reason the Lord showed him the bones and it was very dry. And made, I believe he wanted to document it how bad it was. Because sometimes when the Lord blessed, we forget how bad it was. We think we just did something. 
But go back and look how documented, how bad it really was, how dry it really was, and, and how much of a struggle it really was. And you'll know that it's nothing but the grace of God. While growing up, um, I would never have thought that God would uh, use me to speak. I would never have thought that God would use me to speak because when I was younger, I had a speech impediment. You know, I've learned to speak a lot better, but it still may remain. Um, if you listen closely, you may still pick up things about it. But I had a speech impediment, and I couldn't speak that well. And so um, I had to go to speech classes year after year, taking speech classes. I had to learn how to say chip instead of, instead of ship. I used to say chocolate ship cookies instead of chocolate chip cookies. It was a, you know, I, I couldn't pronunciate, you know. But who would have thought that God can take somebody's tongue and use you in the very weak area and do something great so you know that it's nothing but the power of God. So not excellency of speech, but nothing but the power of God. So he continues to say in verse 2, I determined not to know nothing of you except Christ and him crucified. And don't you know, people, when I, when I preach at different churches, that, and some of them may be different denominations, they built on Christ, but sometimes they're different denominations. And people say, well, how are you going to preach there? You don't, do, you, do you don't know all the details about that? I said, I don't need to know nothing about it. You know, I know Christ. I know Jesus Christ. How are you going to preach at that Pentecostal church? You're not Pentecostal, but I, I know Jesus. And if anything, preaching is preaching. So that's what I know. So when I go in, I don't need to know nothing else. Now I know Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and I know preaching is preaching. So if you want to hear the word, you're going to hear it wherever. So it don't matter if it's Pentecostal, uh, Methodist, it really don't matter. All I need to know is Christ and, Christ and him crucified. So uh, going on, verse 3 says, um, when I was with you, I was uh, within weakness, fear, and trembling. And Apostle Paul, as, as much knowledgeable as he was in fear, weakness, and trembling, as great as he was. And, and I learned that this is a, a demeanor that we need to keep within ministry. It's a demeanor we need to keep within ministry because, you know, um, you never want to have the, the, the thought that you have this. Because I assure you, you don't. If you think you got it, you can fall flat on your face. If you if you really persuaded that you got it, I learned sometimes God will back up and say, "Okay, you got it. Go ahead and just see and just see what you can you can do." You know, so so every time we minister, this should be our demeanor. This should be our attitude. We should be in weakness. We should be shaking. We should be trembling and in fear because we know that it's nothing but the power of God. Now, there, there's a very great preacher. His name is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And um, he preached the um, early 1800s or, or mid 1800s. And um, he was the greatest preacher in England. Um, he is called the prince of preaching. Some consider him the greatest preacher of all times. And, um, but before he'll get up and preach, he went through severe anxiety, severe anxiety. Um, so to the point where he'll often vomit and throw up. And, and um, it was to the point where he couldn't even walk up to the pulpit. So his deacons had to, to pick him up and literally walk him up to the pulpit. But once he got to the pulpit, it was a different story. But you see that his demeanor, because it was in fear, trembling, and weakness. And, and I believe that's, uh, that's the demeanor that God can use best, because when we are weak, he is strong. So verse 4, he said, um, I came not with enticing words of men's wisdom, 
um, of, yeah, of men's wisdom. And verse 5 calls this the wisdom of man. And don't you know there is a, a wisdom of man? And um, the wisdom of, of man can be defined as our cleverness. It can be defined as our, as our uh, perception and our smart. It's, what, it's our intellect. If I had to define it, um, the wisdom of man is our natural intellect. The wisdom of man is our natural intellect. So, um, but he said, I came not with them things. And uh, so verse seven, he said, uh, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So we see something here. It says we speak the wisdom of God. So in verse five, he says that we have the, the wisdom of man. But in verse seven, it now speaks of the wisdom of God. So church, I want to let you know that there's only two wisdoms in this world. There's the wisdom of man and there's the wisdom of God. Now, the wisdom of man, the difference is the wisdom of man is natural insight. But the wisdom of God is spiritual insight. Let me change that. The wisdom of man is natural intellect. But the wisdom of God is spiritual insight. And there, there's a difference because this book is a spiritual book. And I've seen very smart professors try to figure this out with, uh, with the wisdom of man and with natural intellect. But you can't get it from natural intellect because it takes the spirit to understand on things which is spirit. So you need spiritual um, insight because because let me explain the difference further. Because, you know, natural intellect, you can learn God's acts by reading the Bible. But it's only through spiritual insight where you learn his ways. You know, um, natural intellect, you can learn uh, about Jesus' humanity, but it's only through spiritual insight where you can learn about Jesus' divinity or, you know, so, so going on, uh, natural intellect, you can learn the Bible facts, but it's only through spiritual insight where you learn the spiritual truths. You see, uh, natural intellect, you can learn um, the Bible history. But it's only through spiritual insight where you understand the biblical mystery. You see, natural intellect, you can learn the Bible story. But it's only through spiritual insight where you have the insight to the messianic glory. So you, we need the, uh, the wisdom of God to understand spiritual things. Now, going on, going on, you know, um, the content of the text. It says, for uh, eyes have not seen, eyes have not heard, nor have they entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has revealed to those who love him. This is often quoted, you know, in regards to heaven, you know, because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has they entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. So this has often be, been quoted in regards to heaven. But what if I told you that the scripture is not speaking of heaven? Now, its principles hold true concerning heaven. But it's not speaking of heaven. That's why we must work to keep scripture within context. Really, this scripture is not speaking about what shall be revealed in the future, within the future. But it's speaking about right now what can be revealed of the future. So not within the future, but rather of the future. And let me, let me prove it. It says, for eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But, but we have received these things 
by the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying? He's saying that we have received something concerning the future, but we received it not with our eyes. It's not what we've seen. It's it's not what we heard. It's not what has entered into our imagination, but the Spirit gave it to you. Church, don't you know that God will speak to your uh, spirit? He will speak to your spirit. And he'll, not only that, he'll speak to your spirit about things to come. You know, he'll speak to your spirit about things to come. How did you know this was going to happen? How did you know this person was going to show up? How did you know it was time for this? I, I don't know. I, I didn't see it with my eyes and I didn't hear it with my ears. And it didn't come from my mind, but something in my spirit. You know, because with my eyes, it says no. And, and with my ears, it says not going to happen. And in my mind, I can't, it can't even come to my imagination. But something within my spirit says yes. Have you ever seen an hour on a no? An hour no? But you in your, in your spirit, it was the M word yes? Uh, let me give an example. How did Elijah, how did Elijah know it was going to rain? How did Elijah know? He couldn't see nothing. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. It wasn't nothing he had heard. It wasn't nothing that even entered the imagination, but it was something within his spirit that says, it's going to rain. Y'all better get ready because it's going to rain. God will speak to your spirit. And also when, um, when, um, when that great confession was made, like, uh, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, uh, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Some things God can only speak through your spirit. You know, so we just know. It's like Pastor Vince will um, will occasionally say, like, you know, I don't know that I know. I don't know how I know. I just know. And when God speaks to you, sometimes you just know. Now, I want to talk about the application of the text. Now, theologically, this is often called, because we need to back this up, back this up with scripture. Theologically, this is called the word of wisdom. It is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. You know, um, you know, it speaks of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Now, the difference is the word of knowledge is when God just give you revelation on something concerning the present. There's no other way you could have known it. God just dropped it in your spirit. It could be a resolution to a conflict. God just dropped it in your spirit. There's no other way you didn't know it, could have known it. God just gave it to you. But the word of wisdom is when God give you a snapshot of the future. When God give you a snapshot of the future. And so uh, this is when um, there's no way you could have known that it was going to turn out this way. God just gave you a snapshot. Now keep in mind, when he does does this, he does not give all the details. You know, he just gives you a snapshot. You know, and so um, are we all familiar with that, that app? I think it's the most popular app out there. It's called Snapchat. You know, I believe it's one of the, and, and you know, it's when the young people, they, uh, maybe older people use it too, but it's when young people, they, they, they Snapchat their day, and so, and then they post it for their friends to see, but it, they, it's not a long communication. It's not like talking on the telephone, it's just a snap, a Snapchat. But they Snapchat what they've heard, they Snapchat what they've seen, or, and they snap, Snapchat what, what enters into their mind. But they Snapchat the present. But don't you know we have a God? (laughs) Don't you know we have a God that can also send a Snapchat? (laughs) But he don't Snapchat the present. He can Snapchat the future. So he can send you a Snapchat. 
And so it's not what eyes have heard, it's not, I mean, it's not what eyes have seen, it's not what ears have heard, nor is, what it, nor is it what has entered your imagination. The Lord just gave you a Snapchat. But one thing about this app, don't you know, you can't just receive a Snapchat. I can't receive Snapchats. There's no way for me to receive a Snapchat. Not because it's not available, but it's because I'm not connected. For one, you need two things to receive a Snapchat. You need the internet connection, and you also need the app. You can't have one without the other. You know, you can't have the app. If you have the app and don't have the internet connection, you can't receive that Snapchat. You got to have both. And don't you know with God, don't you know you need two things to receive a Snapchat? The first thing is similar to the app, you need Jesus. You can't receive no Snapchat without Jesus. And similar to the internet connection, you need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not connected. And you can't get one. It's like a bundle deal. You can't get one without the other. So the Snapchat is by Jesus, but it's through the Holy Spirit. So he will give you a Snapchat. So um, Charles Spurgeon, as I mentioned earlier, um, he would receive a Snapchat of his future. Now, Charles Spurgeon would become the, one of the greatest preachers in London, but it has been carefully documented. When Charles Spurgeon was 10 years old, there was a, a, a famous missionary who came over to uh, visit. His name was, uh, I believe his name was Richard Neal, and this has been documented. Charles Spurgeon is only 10 years old. He'll see the young boy, and he says that when he was 10 years old, he says that this would be one of the greatest preachers in London, and he's going to preach in this hall before thousands. And it was fulfilled. Now, how did this minister know that? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But we have received it through the Holy Spirit. Snapchat. Uh, we, know, we all know Bishop T.D. Jakes, and this has been documented. When T.D. Jakes was a young boy, um, he would go to church with his mother, and everybody would know T.D. Jakes by his mother. They would know him by his mother. And uh, so when they would see uh, the, uh, Tommy Jakes, they would say, this is Miss Jakes' baby boy. But, but at that young age, he would receive a Snapchat, and he would say, now they know me by my mother, but the day will come when they'll know my mother by me. How did he know that? It was just a Snapchat. Now, Pastor Venice often shared his story. How did he know seven years before that he'll become pastor of this church? He may not have known all the details, but God will just give you a Snapchat. And have you ever experienced something, but you didn't know what you was experiencing? And maybe this word is just for you. Sometimes, you know, I can experience something, but I don't know the scripture. I don't know where to find it, where it may have happened in scripture. And sometimes you need someone to reveal like this could be what's happening. And perhaps today, maybe God has given you a snapshot of your future. And maybe this is just confirmation to give you clarity on what's really going on. You just received a snapshot. You know, it didn't come. If you need confirmation, it didn't come from your eyes. It didn't come from your ears. And no, it's not just a figment of your imagination. God has just put it in your spirit. And I learned when God gives you a Snapchat, you'll know stuff that don't match. You know, it helps navigate you. Because people say you should do this, but no, that's not what God showed me. Because he showed me a Snapchat. 
So if he'll show me a Snapchat going this way, I'm not going to get here going. I'm not going to waste my time going right or left, but I'm just going to keep on going straight because if God showed me a Snapchat of that over there, that little thing hanging up, looking backward, I'm going to know that's not it because that's not what I saw. I'm also going to know that's not it because that's not what I saw either. But because when I see it, I'll know it, and I'll know what direction I need to be going in. So God will give you a Snapchat. But yet, within the Old Testament, did, do, do we see this happening? Because sometimes we just need more scripture. Don't you know within the Old Testament, the Lord gives someone a Snapchat? His name was Joseph. Joseph will receive a Snapchat of his future. And sometimes for confirmation, God always give it twice sometimes. You know, when God called you, sometimes he'd do it twice. Joseph, Joseph, David, David, Peter, Peter. He'd do it twice. So Joseph didn't have one dream. He had two. But so in Genesis 37, verse 7, he'll have a dream. And his dream was just a Snapchat of his future. Now, he didn't know how it was going to happen, but he just received a Snapchat. Now, within his dream, he'll have a dream because they had sheaves then. We may not know what sheaves are today because we're not, we not farmers, but sheaves is when they'll go out and collect the crop and they'll bundle it together. That was the sheaves. And so him and his 11 brothers was gathering sheaves. But while they was gathering sheaves, his sheaves just rose up on his own. It just rose up. And the 11 other sheaves bowed down before it. So rising up, in other words, that's a form of exaltation, being exalted. Remember that, you know, because I'm going to go somewhere with that later. So his sheep rose up, and his brother's sheaves bowed down. And so he told the dream to his brothers. And be careful you share your dreams with. So if you got a Snapchat, don't go around telling everybody, you know. So he told his brothers, and his brothers interpreted the dream. They said, shall, shall uh, because it's 12 sheaves and all. One rose, they bowed down. And they said, shall we kneel down? Before you, again, he don't know how it's going to come to fruition. He just seen a Snapchat. But yet, he'll receive another Snapchat, and this Snapchat was a little different. Genesis 37, 37 verse 9, the Snapchat was that, uh, you know, um, the moon, I mean the sun, the moon, and 11 stars will all worship him. And his father, and I'm thinking maybe his father had the gift of interpretation of dreams too, because his father interpreted this dream, and he, and he said, shall, shall myself, your mother, and your 11 brothers, shall we all bow down to you? He kept on things in heart, but even he was a little doubtful. So who was the son? The son was Isaac, the father. Who was the moon? The moon was the mother. And who was the 11 stars? The 11 stars was his brother. So the sun, moon, stars worshiping Joseph. So, so, so I, I want to, you remember when I said we, the, the wisdom of man, the wisdom of God? I, I want to explain the difference. The wisdom, we can understand, uh, we can have natural, in, we can have natural um, intellect concerning Joseph's story, but don't you know it's only the wisdom of God that brings out the mystery? Amen. Don't you know that Joseph's story is just a mystery of Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. 
There's over 40 prophecies that align Joseph's life with Jesus' life. You know, and, and just let me list a few. Joseph was sent to his brothers by the father. And don't you know Jesus was sent to his brethren by the heavenly father? Um, Joseph's brothers, his own brothers, received him not. They, didn't, they hated him. Don't you know that Jesus' own brother and the Jewish people received him not? They hated him. Joseph was, became a slave where he took the form of a servant. And don't you know Jesus also took the form of a servant? Don't you know that Joseph was cast down into a pit? Don't you know that Jesus was also cast down into the earth? You know, Joseph was risen up from the pit. Don't you know that Jesus was also risen up from the pit? Don't you know that Jesus ascended into the heavens? Joseph also ascended into power. So it goes hand in hand. Not only this, because I didn't see this before. This is good. The king will give Joseph a Gentile bride. Don't you know the heavenly father will give Jesus a Gentile bride? So, so, so really, it's just all a picture of Jesus Christ. And, and, but people will say, how do folks see this? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. For eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, but we have received these things through the Spirit. But, 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 but yet, going a little further, going a little further, you remember I just told y'all two stories, right? About Joseph's dream. Don't you know that those two dreams is also a picture of Jesus? Yes, now, I've never seen this before. I preached, I preached that plenty of times. I've never seen it before. Keep in mind, keep, let, let, let's go over Joseph's two dreams, and I'll explain the parallel. Look, he said that his sheep rose up. In other words, his sheep was exalted. And the other 11 bowed down to worship. And don't you know that Jesus was exalted. And one day, we gonna bow. So it's really a picture of Jesus Christ. And, and let me give uh, further detail. It said they gave obeisance uh, to him. And that word obeisance is shika. And it is found in Psalms um, 95.6. And it says, O come, let us worship and bow down before him. Let us kneel before the Lord our God. Now that's talking about Christ. That's talking about Christ. So it lets me know that this story about the kneeling down or bowing down is a, is a uh, manifestation of the, of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. But not only that, he says the, the sun, the moon, and the stars will worship him. Don't you know that's not just talking about Joseph's father, mother, and brothers. Don't you know that's talking about all the creation worshiping Christ. And people say, well, 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 show me, show me. Don't you know um, in Psalms 148.3, he keeps it in the same order. It says, let the sun, let the moon, and let all the stars worship you. So that's letting me know that all of creation will one day worship Jesus Christ. So, so, so really, it's all a Snapchat 
of the future. So Joseph's life, Joseph's life. But I believe the bowing down, I believe the bowing down because I don't believe that that's happened yet. I believe that, you know, uh, it was a twofold prophecy. It happened with Joseph's life. And I believe that Jesus has been given a Gentile bride, but I believe the bowing down didn't happen yet. I believe that's one of the things that's yet to come, but it's just a snapshot of the future. But don't you know that Joseph was only the shadow? But one day we shall see Jesus, who is the person, you know? So, So one day I believe that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So what if the Lord has put in your spirit? Just keep on holding on. And hopefully this gives clarity. So sometimes we need clarity of what's going on. So I declare that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And so let's stand and let's give God some praise as the doors of the church is open.